I've appreciated the music today. Much of the music has pointed our thoughts to what we're going to preach about today here in Titus chapter number 3. All right, if you are physically able to stand, if you'll do so with me this morning, Titus chapter number 3 will allow the children to be dismissed. It's good to have John and Samantha back. They made it back from India and Elise and uh, um, Josiah. They made it back. I'm so glad that they're back. Titus chapter number 3. We'll begin in verse number 1. Paul, he's speaking to Titus here. We, we know that. He has written this letter to Titus. He is leaving him in Crete to set some things in order. And he says, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. He says, for we ourselves, he said, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. He said, that's what we used to be. What's the next word? Verse 4. But. Aren't you glad for that? But. The book of Proverbs uses that word numerous times. But. But. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He says, but after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And for the next few moments, I'd like to preach a message to us entitled, But He Saved Us. But He Saved Us. Verse 3, that's what we used to be. That's what we used to do. But... He saved us. Father, help us, teach us today. Father, remind us, make us thankful, make us grateful. Father, for those that might be here today, that that one or maybe even a handful, Lord, I do not know hearts, but that gentleman or that lady or that teenager who might be here this morning, who has never come to the knowledge of Christ, they can't say, but He saved me. They, They don't have that confidence, they don't have that testimony this morning. Father, before we leave this place, may they be able to say, but He saved me. Father, may that be the case today. And Father, then for us who know You, we know that You've saved us. We know, we, we, we know that moment in time when 
We called upon the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, Father, for us. May we be stirred, may we be reminded this morning of what that means for us. And Father, may we be stirred and may we be reminded of the expectations that are demanded of us because of that. Father, our worship is different now. We don't worship the same things we used to, or at least we shouldn't. Father, help us this morning as believers to leave this place being a more grateful people because You saved us. Father, we commit these next few moments to You. We ask that You'd help in a special way. And Father, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I want to give you three words out of these verses this morning. Three words that I pray will stir us, remind us, help us. If you're here this morning you don't know Christ, our heart's desire. By the way, it's God's desire. It's His will. He said He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. His desire is for you to be saved today. So I want us to see first of all this morning, I'm going to give you three words. And the first word is I want us to see God's appearance. God's appearance. That, that's not speaking of how He looks, but God's appearance. In verse number 4, in verse number 3, Paul speaks about, in verse 2, he tells Titus, this is how we ought to speak to others. This is how we ought to treat others because we used to be like that. Uh, in verse number 3, he says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures. Listen, before I got saved and before you got saved, that's all you could do. You were in the flesh. I am in the flesh. I was in the flesh. All I could do was serve divers' lust and pleasures. All I could do was sin. Listen, when we got saved, we got a new nature, did we not? The new nature, the Spirit, cannot sin. Some of you are like, oh, wait a minute. But we still have the old nature, don't we? And the old nature sins. The Spirit can't sin. Uh, We've been quickened. We've been made alive. The Spirit can't sin, but the flesh can. That's why in in Romans chapter number 7, Paul, he's like, man, I have these two natures and I'm constantly battling between this, 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 this old nature and the new nature. I want to do certain things, but the old nature doesn't allow me to do it. There was a constant battle. The Bible says in verse number 4, But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man, notice this, appeared. It came. It was brought to light. Drop back to chapter number 2, if you would, and notice verse 11. The Bible says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath done what? What's the word there? Hath appeared to all men. Number one, God's appearance. We see first of all the moment of His appearance. That moment was the very moment when the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth. And more specifically, when He lived and when He went to the cross of Calvary and died on the cross of Calvary, He appeared. That, that love and that kindness appeared. But by the way, hold your place here and go back with me if you would to Second uh, Timothy real quickly. Second Timothy chapter number 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. 
Verse number seven, he says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Notice this, who hath what? Saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Notice verse 10. But is that, look, look, the... the the plan was set in place before the world began, before the foundations of the earth, the Bible says. But notice in verse number 10, but is now, but is now made manifest by the appearing, it came to light, it came forth, it was made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So first of all, we see the moment of His appearance. Secondly, we see the movement of His appearance. The moment of His appearance when God Almighty in His love sent His Son to this earth and He was born. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He was born of a virgin. He lived 33 plus years and He went to the cross of Calvary and He died. The Bible says that the grace of God which bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. By the way, not just a few men. But to all men. Not just certain men, but all men. Not just to the elect, but to all men. Pastor, who's the elect? Here's the elect. We confuse that word. It's a Bible word. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of of Bible words. The elect are anybody, anyone who is in Christ. It's all about Christ. Well, the elect are those who God chose to go to hell and those who God chose to go to heaven. No, 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 no. The elect are those who are in Christ. Read Ephesians. Read the entire book of Ephesians. Time after time after time, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. By the way, people use that word election and predestination together like they're the same word. They're not the same word. And the only thing predestination deals with is the fact that someone who gets saved is predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. They're not predestined to go to heaven or hell. They are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. The Bible over and over and over and over and over and over again. Now, people want to change what the Bible says. Well, the Bible in Titus chapter 2, verse number 11, when it says all, it means all the elect. Okay, if God wanted to say that, He would have said that. It doesn't say that. Well, it means all of the elect. All of the ones that were chosen. No, it says all. It says the grace of God, which bringeth salvation... Because Jesus Christ appeared to all. And the Bible says, And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. Does that mean everybody's going to get saved? No. But it does mean that they're all going to know that there was one who was lifted up for them. The grace of God hath appeared to all men. The moment of His appearance. Secondly, the movement of His appearance. By the way, how did He move toward lost man? In kindness... And love. In kindness and love. Is 
Is that because we're lovely people? Absolutely not. That's what makes it so... That's what makes it so fabulous. Is that God Almighty would move toward... Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10. It says, For the Son of Man is come to do what? To seek and to save that which was lost. He has come to seek. And God Almighty in His kindness and in His love sent the Lord Jesus Christ because He's seeking for us. He is seeking for lost man. He sent Jesus Christ to seek and to save that which was lost. The moment of His appearance, the movement of His appearance, God our Savior moved toward us in love. God our Savior moved toward us in kindness. By the way, hold your place right here just real quickly. Take your Bibles and go back to the left to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 2. We saw this, this passage recently. But Ephesians chapter number 2, the moment of His appearance. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, But God committeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The moment. Look, it, 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 He didn't appear when, when, when we were good enough for Him to appear. No, no, no. He appeared when we were yet in our sins. Jesus Christ came to this earth uh, when this earth lay in darkness. When He was born 2,000 plus years ago and when He died 2,000 plus years ago, the grace of God appeared to all men and that grace is what brings salvation, Titus chapter 2, 11 says. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4, the Bible says, but God, there's that word again, but. Hey, let's back up. Let's back up. Let's read, let's read the whole passage. And you hath He quickened who were what? Dead. Dead in trespasses and sins, wherein time past ye walked, very similar to Titus chapter 3 and verse number 3, wherein time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But, but... But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, that in the ages to come He might show the what? What's the word there? The exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness... Toward us through Christ Jesus, the movement of His appearance, He moved toward us in love and He moved toward us in kindness. By the way, verses 4 through 7 in Ephesians 2, But God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sin. By the way, this passage, and really the entirety of Scriptures for that matter, but this passage right here should shut our mouths when it comes to complaining. 
when it comes to complaining about I've got to do this and I've got to go to church and I've got to do this and if I've got to do this and I've got to serve in the nursery and I've got to, I've got to teach these, these snotty-nosed kids and I've got to do this and I've got to do this and, and I've got to, you know, the pastor expects me to live right and the pastor expects me to, to talk right. The pastor expects me to treat other people right. I don't expect you to do anything, but God does. Now, I'm just telling you what the Bible says and what God says to us. It ought to, listen, it ought to put to silence all of the complaining. It ought to put to silence all of the, of the negativity toward God and toward the things of God. Well, we've got to go to church again. Hey, teenagers, God help if that's your attitude this morning. Well, I've got to go to church again. And mom and dad are making me go to church. And mom and dad are making me read my Bible. And mom and dad are making me act right. And mom and dad aren't letting me do this. God help you because it was the love of God that allows you to be anything that you are today. It's His love. It's not because you deserve it. It's not because I deserve it. It's because He loved us. And He moved toward us in love and kindness. By the way, if it weren't for a mom and dad who loved God and loved you, you ought to meditate for a moment on where you could be and how you could be living. You meditate for a moment on Boy, we just don't know, do we? By the way, I don't know. Because I grew up in a wonderful home. Perfect? Absolutely not. But I grew up in a wonderful home. I don't know. I've never known growing up in a home where a mama or a daddy or both were alcoholics, were drunkards. I don't know that. And by the way, I praise God that I don't know that. I don't know growing up in a home where it was screaming and yelling and cursing all of the time. I didn't know that. By the way, my kids don't know that either. And all I'm saying is, teenagers, if you, if you get to grow up in a home that has protected you from the foolishness and wickedness of the, this world, you ought to praise God for that. Because not every kid and not every teenager gets to grow up in a home like that. You ought to praise Almighty God for that fact. Yeah, but boy, the rules are they're just too strict and too strict and too strict and too strict. And, and my friends get to do this. Yeah, your friends aren't being protected from the wickedness of this world either. And in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you, you, you put your life up against theirs and see where it's at. And I'm not talking because you're such a better person. I'm talking because of the grace of God. Number one, we see God's appearance. We see the moment of His appearance. We see the movement of His appearance. Number two, we see God's abundance. We see His appearance, but number two, we see His abundance. Back in Titus chapter number three, verses five and six, it says, Not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Notice this, verse six, which He shed on us, how? Abundantly which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus. How did He do that? How did He shed it on us? With what? With, 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 with what means did He shed it on us? Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. In the fact that He loved us enough to send the Savior, to send the Son to die and to, to live and to die and to shed His blood. The Bible says He shed on us abundantly. What, what did He shed? His mercy. 
shed it on us abundantly. What is mercy? It is God not giving us what we deserve. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. And the Bible says in verse number 5, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. God's abundance. First of all, He did not save us by the abundance of our merit or of our works. He did not. He did not. He did not. He did not save us by the abundance of our merit or our works. A works gospel is Satan's gospel. Did you hear me? A works gospel is the devil's gospel. It is bloodless, it is Christless, and it is false. Because I cannot in my own righteousness, as Isaiah says, save myself because they are as filthy rags. Well, I think of, and I'm going to tell you, you ask, the vast majority of individuals that you ask, it's all based upon them. It's all based upon them. You knock on someone's door and you talk to them and, and, and they, they know Scripture. Brother Colton and I yesterday met a gentleman and, and just in a short amount of time, maybe 10 minutes, I could tell he knew a little Scripture. And I asked him, I said, are you saved? Are you saved? Do, do, do you know when we leave this earth, when, it, when life here is over, where you're going to spend eternity? Now, he had already been talking about salvation, but when I asked him that question, he said, well, I hope so. He said, because, and this is what he said. We had already been talking about Christ. We had already been talking about salvation. He had knowledge of the Scriptures. And this is what he said. He said, I hope so, because I've been a pretty good person. A works gospel is the devil's gospel. Because the devil gets us to trust in ourselves instead of trusting the one who did everything for us, who moved toward us in love and kindness. And so we had opportunity to talk to him a little bit and say, look, and I said, well, the wonderful thing is, look, salvation, it's not about us. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ who did everything for us. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross and shed His blood and that blood is sufficient to wash away all of our sins. He did not save us by the abundance of our merit or our work. Secondly, He saved us by the abundance of His mercy and His washing. The abundance of His mercy and His washing. We are regenerated and we are renewed. Most of you this morning, either last night or this morning, you got a bath, you got a shower, you did something, you washed. And tonight or tomorrow morning, you're going to have to do the same thing again. Because we continue and constantly, continually and constantly, we're getting dirty. But when the blood of Christ washes, the Bible says it's once and it's complete. It's once and it's complete. And it's washed. That which was scarlet is made as white as snow. God's abundance. 
He did not save us by the abundance of our merit and our works. He saved us by the abundance of His mercy, not giving us what we deserved, which was hell, which was punishment, which was a life upon this earth of despair and sorrow. That's what we deserve. He saved us by the abundance of His mercy and washing through the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Bible says. We are regenerated. We're washed. We are renewed. Think about this. Consider, consider some of the titles of the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of truth in John chapter 14. He's the Spirit of holiness in Romans chapter 1. He's the Spirit of life in Romans chapter 8. He's the Spirit of faith in 2 Corinthians 4. He's the Spirit of wisdom in Ephesians 1. He's the Spirit of grace in Hebrews 10. He's the Spirit of glory in 1 Peter 4. Some of the same traits as the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been given an abundance of the Holy Spirit in order to become more like Christ. We have been given the Holy... I say abundance, but we've been given all of the Holy Spirit in order to become more like Christ. You notice what he says there in verse number 5? By the washing of regeneration. You see, God doesn't just repair us. He makes us brand new. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. By the way, that's the spiritual part. Become new. Now, yes, we still battle this old flesh. The flesh is here. You, you, you can't repair the flesh, can you? You have to kill it. You have to mortify it. Bible tells us that's why as a Christian, I have to daily kill it, daily mortify it, daily uh, not surrender to it. God's abundance. Well, we're looking for abundance in this world, aren't we? More stuff and more stuff and more stuff. Comfortable life, comfortable life, comfortable life. Can I tell you, and I'm not, I'm not trying to discourage anybody this morning, but can I tell you that God did not call us to a comfortable life? Now, I'm th are you thankful for comfort? I am. I'm very thankful for it. Thankful for a warm house in the winter, a cool house in the summer. Hey, think about, think about the cars that we drive today. Compared to maybe when I was a kid in the late 70s. Told my son this week. I told him for insurance purposes, you should buy a station wagon. <laughs> Not what he wanted to hear, and probably didn't even hear it. No, 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 no station wagon. But we used to have some station wagons back in those days, didn't we? Some, some. Uh, can't think this morning. Some aircraft carriers is what I was trying to say. That's the cars we had back then, wasn't it? Think about the cars today. I mean, back then, air conditioner. Yeah, you're rolling the windows down. There's no air conditioner in the car. That's your air conditioner. Hair everywhere. And Now, as a kid, you don't care about that. Now, you love it. But you think about what we ride in now. 
smooth. Air, your seats are heated and cooled. How spoiled are we? We took Paige back to school back in August. We, we rented a car to take her back. and We had, just, we, we had rented just, uh, or we had reserved just a little uh, mid-size SUV. We were going to take her back. They didn't have a, a little mid-size SUV. They gave us a BMW SUV. I told my wife, by the way, who do you think drove that car most of the weekend? My wife. She drove it once. She's like, you're not getting it back. You know, I told her, so you enjoy it because you never have anything like this again. Ever, ever. By the way, I don't think I would want one of those because the repair costs on it would be astronomical anyway. But, man, just smooth. I'm okay with comfort. But as Americans, we have been lied to by the devil that that's what the Christian life is all about. And if we ever have any little obstacles or any persecution or any tribulation, it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I'm Christian. That's not supposed to happen. That's exactly what's supposed to happen. That's what the Bible tells us will happen. If we live godly in this present world, we're going to suffer it. Boy, the devil lies to us and uh, the devil tells us. Yeah. And boy, uh, we, we, we've got our minds on that which is abundant. We, we've got it all wrong. We've got it skewed. Abundance is more stuff and more stuff and more stuff. Instead of fixing my eyes upon the abundance that God has given to me. And what is that abundance? Mercy and love and grace. By the way, that's how I can live the abundant Christian life is by His grace. You see, the Bible says in this same passage in Titus 2, just real quickly, I'm not going to get off on this. But look again here in Titus chapter 2. In verse 11, the grace of God does what? It saves us. In verse 12, the grace of God does what? It teaches us. It teaches us what? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So, see, the grace of God, it saves us, but the grace of God teaches us. The grace of God empowers us. You know what it is that, that allows us to be able to live the Christian life the way we should? It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God that gives us the ability. Look, naturally, in the book of Proverbs, the Bible says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Okay, why is death first? Why is it? Because that's what naturally comes. It's a supernatural working of the grace of God for life to come out of my tongue. And that's what He gives us. We have the opportunity, we have the ability to partake in the grace of God and that is what gives us the ability to be able to do anything that God commands us to do. Anything that God expects us to do. And He gives it to us abundantly. God's appearance. God's abundance. I'm not saved by the abundance of my merit or works. I'm saved by the abundance of His mercy and His washing. God's abundance. And let me say, and this, this isn't here and this isn't the message, but afterward, He abundantly bestows upon us His grace, His mercies and compassions. Lamentations tell us what? They're new every morning. They're fresh. They're new. 
every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Then number three. Number one, we see God's appearance. Number two, we see God's abundance. Number three, we see God's acceptance. God's acceptance. Verse number seven. That being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Hold your place here. Go with me to the book of Ephesians real quickly. Ephesians chapter number 1. Ephesians chapter number 1. God's acceptance. Ephesians chapter number 1. He said that being justified, Titus 3, 7, by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We used to be this in verse number 3, but He saved us. I, I used to be disobedient. I used to be foolish. I used to serve divers' lust and pleasures, Titus 3, 3 says, but He saved us. He saved me. I am justified by the grace of God. God looks on me, I'm justified, I'm not guilty. Because now He looks on me and He doesn't see my sin, He doesn't see my righteousness. He sees the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm justified. I stand before Him, not guilty, no longer a sinner. Ephesians chapter 1, notice verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. How did He do that? In Christ. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. Notice verse 6. And by the way, let me back up. We're not going to speak about this, but let me say this. Adoption. I think we get a skewed vision. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. We get a skewed vision of this adoption in the Scriptures. Like we're some red-headed stepchild. That's not the case at all. In John chapter number 3, it says you must be what? You must be born again. We're born into His family. Born again. But in verse number 6 of Ephesians 1, it says, To the praise of the glory of His grace. What do, what, do we, what do we glory in? Well, I'm a good person. No, no, no. We glory in His grace. We glory in the cross, the Bible says. To the praise of the glory of His grace. Notice this. Wherein He hath made us accepted in the blood. I've been justified. I've been made free. I've been set free. I've been liberated. I've been made clean by the blood of Christ. God's appearance, Jesus Christ came. He he, he moved toward us in kindness and love, the Bible says. But that, Titus 3 says, but that, or excuse me, but after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. God's appearance and God's abundance. It's not the abundance of my works or my merit. It's the abundance of His mercy and His washing. Friend, if you're here this morning and you're trying to trust your works, it's not going to work. It's only Jesus Christ. 
And don't walk out of here today and if someone asks you, hey, do you know you're going to heaven? Well, I hope so because I'm a pretty good person. That's a bad answer. That's a wrong answer. That's not a biblical answer. No, no, I, I, I'm going to heaven. I'm, I'm going to see Christ. I'm going to meet Him face to face. When I take my last breath here and I step over that threshold into eternity, I'm going to be in the, His presence, not because of what I've done, but because of what He did for me. His acceptance. The Bible says we are accepted in the beloved. Boy, we, we all need acceptance, don't we? We crave acceptance, don't we? Yes, we do. It's okay. Teenagers crave acceptance, don't they? And the devil will lie to them and say the most important group of people that you need acceptance from is from your peers. I mentioned this Wednesday night, the devil will get in their ear and lie to them and tell them that the two most important people in their lives, the two people that love them the most, are the ones that hate them. That's what the devil will tell teenagers. Your parents hate you. When the exact opposite is true. They love you more than any person on this earth could ever love you. But the devil wants people to think the greatest group of individuals that you need acceptance from is from your peers. By the way, adults do the same thing. We do the same thing. We want it. Preachers are the worst because we want acceptance from, our, from other preachers. Preach a message at a preacher's conference and you want, man, I'm pretty sure that was a good message. And if you don't get any of that, it kind of hurts your feelings a little bit. But it shouldn't because you weren't preaching for them. Right? Or at least we shouldn't have been. And boy, we want acceptance. But God says, I've given you the greatest acceptance that you could ever have. You are accepted into the beloved. You are an heir, and you're not just an heir, but you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You're my heir. You ever, you ever sit and meditate on that? That you're an heir of the King of kings and the Lord of lords? That God is your Father? You ever stop and meditate on that? He said, justified. We, we use that little phrase, just as if I had never sinned. Uh, you know, that, that, that may be kind of quaint and corny, but it, it is true. Because I have the righteousness of Christ on me. Justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Not the kind of hope that we think of. My son hopes he'll get a Jeep Wrangler for Christmas. Not a station wagon. See that kind of hope? He ain't going to get it. I shouldn't say that because he has other family members besides me. <laughs> but that's not the same kind of hope as the Bible, is it? The hope in the Bible is assurance. It's confidence. The hope. That, by the way, in Titus 2, we're to be looking for what? That blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. God's appearance. 
brought his abundance and gives us acceptance. Let me say this, Christian. Let me say this first, friend, if you're here without Christ, he appeared so that you could be saved. God sent his son and he came, he was manifest as 2 Timothy 1 said, so that you could have light and life. We didn't finish reading that passage, but it speaks about light and life. That death has been abolished, darkness has been abolished, and now we have light and life. He appeared so that you could be saved. You could be saved today. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You can be saved today. But believer, that, that appearance brought his abundance and his acceptance. So why aren't we living abundantly? And I'm not talking about physical things this morning. Why aren't you living with the peace that, that passeth all understanding? Why, why aren't we living with the power of the Holy Spirit? Why, why are we living in such turmoil? Why are our families in such turmoil if God brought abundance? Because we choose not to live in abundance. Because we still choose to live in mediocrity. We still choose to give the world worship that it doesn't deserve. You know the song that my wife sang this morning. You know what God wants us to do, believer? He just wants us to give what little we have. And it may not be much, but He wants us to give it to Him. Sometimes, sometimes you'll hear, and um, it, it happens a lot with musicians, and I, I'm almost done. It happens a lot with musicians, but um, you hear these musicians and they've become famous, and whether they're rock stars or pop stars or whatever they may be, and many, many times, many of them will say, I grew up singing in the choir. So what happened? You took a talent and an ability that God Almighty gave you, and you just handed it over to the world? All God wants is our availability. Just to say, Lord, whatever you want of my life, here it is. Because He gives abundantly. Abundance. He shed abroad, He shed on us abundantly, the Bible says. And He wants us to live abundantly, spiritually speaking, but so many times we just live mediocre lives. Because we don't want to give God everything. And we don't want to acknowledge that He deserves everything. He deserves it all. Lock, stock, and barrel. We can't compartmentalize, as we mentioned recently, I believe Wednesday night, we can't compartmentalize. He deserves everything. When, when, are, we going to, when are we going to acknowledge that as believers? God, you deserve it all. You deserve my money. You deserve my life. I'm going to present my body a living sacrifice. And the abilities that you do give me, I'm not going to sell them or I'm not going to give them away to the devil. And here you see musicians, they just, well, 
I used to sing in the choir, but now I'm singing whatever. I'm singing rock music and whatever. I'm singing to the world and the devil. That's wicked. That's wicked. And we take what God gives us and we use it for the world. I am convinced that God is calling more young people to His service than are actually surrendering. I'm convinced that God is calling more young adults to His service than are actually surrendering. Because we think the world is what gives us abundance. We think the world is where it's at. And it's not. It's Jesus Christ. And He gives us abundantly. But... Verse 3, used to be foolish, used to to be disobedient, used to serve divers' lusts and pleasures. Verse 4, but after that, the kindness and love of God. Verse 5, He saved us, but He saved us. Father, thank You for Your Word this morning. Father, may we be more grateful. Lord, let me me say it, may I, I don't know hearts. These folks may be more grateful than I am. But Father, may I be more grateful for the abundant mercy and grace and love that You've bestowed upon us. You have accepted us into the Beloved. Father, thank You for sending Your Son. Father, if there's one here today that's never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, may today be that day because He desires to accept them into the Beloved. Father, for believers this morning, help us, Lord. Help us to be what we ought to be. Help us to acknowledge that you deserve everything. We owe you everything. You've bought us with a price. We're to glorify you in our bodies, in our souls, in our spirits, every, every part of us. We're to glorify you. Help us to do that in Christ. And we pray. Amen. Let's stand our feet if we're physically able this morning. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Miss Joe's at the piano. The invitation's already been given in the message. If you need to come, believer, if you need to come, come. Friend, if you're here and you don't know Christ, you need to come platforms open the altars open these front pews are open here if you need to come and pray pray Father, we thank you that you've shed us, shed on us abundantly through the Lord Jesus Christ. You've shed on us your grace and your mercy and your love, your kindness, your long suffering, your gentleness. Father, you you have shed all of that upon us. You you have manifested it at the appearance of Jesus Christ. Father, may we be grateful for that today. Father, I do pray once again, if there's one here today without Christ, may they be saved before they leave today. And I'll thank you and praise you for it. Bring us back together tonight in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. You are dismissed.